Welcome to the Yogi Therapist Podcast, where we talk all things mental health, personal growth, and spiritual development. I'm your host, Rachel, a psychotherapist and yoga teacher based in Sydney. This is your space to gain new insights and tools so that you can live a life that feels aligned and meaningful. Let's dive in. Welcome to the third episode of the Yogi Therapist Podcast. No, fourth. I'm lying. My fourth episode. Today I am joined by just an absolutely incredible human. As you guys get to know her, you'll know that she has a wealth of knowledge, but I think at the heart of it, she is just such a good person and someone that I'm so happy to have in my life. The beautiful Destiny Wolf. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you, lovely. So excited to be here and chat with you about breath and and beautiful healing. Yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking all things breath work. It's something that um, I speak a lot about, but I really just wanted to dive deep and, and unpack with you. So I'm so happy to have you here. So I would love to start by just letting people get to know you and just you know, giving you a chance to introduce yourself and what you're all about. So feel free to take the rein. Great. Hey, everybody. So my name is Destiny Wolf, and I am a yoga and meditation mindfulness instructor. I'm also a sound healer and a breathwork facilitator living in Sydney, Australia. I'm originally from Arizona, USA. And my big passion in life is to use these different modalities to help people find what lights them up in life and to follow that light to shine really bright and make an impact um, according to their goals. So whether that's in their own lives, the lives of their communities, but to live life more on purpose, hence the name Destiny. (laughs) And Um, that is your real name, isn't it? Yeah. Because I definitely quizzed you about that. Me and Bev were like, is that a real like Destiny Wolf? Like yeah. she definitely like she's her name's probably like Sandra Hill, but <laughs> I speak this name, but it really is your name. Yeah. Totally. Can you tell because you told me the story and I love it, but can you tell me the the story yeah. behind Destiny Wolf? Absolutely. It was your parents, right? Well, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I guess when I was when my mom was pregnant with me, they were my parents were quite young. I think my dad was 26 and my mom was around 21, and they just got married. They already had my older sister, and my dad had just lost his job um so they were stressed about having a kid in the u.s without the proper health care and and wondering what would happen and and they were in the car one day and this song came on about destiny in that moment they looked at each other and they said it's our destiny to have this child and we have faith that we're going to make it through it so my name's destiny faith wolf that is the most badass (laughs) name ever thank you (laughs) I didn't like it growing up, you know, growing up, it was like everybody would ask me, um, what's your destiny? Do you believe in destiny (laughs) or I'm on a date with destiny? (laughs) But it's so interesting. I I feel like it's come full circle. Like I think a year and a half ago, I was on the cliffs meditating and I just started laughing so hard at the fact I was like, oh, I'm actually helping other people find their destinies. (laughs) Like, ah, okay. You grew into your name. You are a destiny wolf. If there was ever to be a destiny wolf on this planet, it's definitely... It's definitely you. You're not a Kate or an Emily. <laughs> and no shade to Kates or Emilys, but you're just not. Oh, <laughs> thanks, babe. <laughs> um, okay, amazing. You're a yoga teacher. That's where I met mm. Destiny as well. Um, 
And as well, you do, so you do private sessions with clients. You also host a number of amazing events. Um, How did you get into this work? Oh, good question. Yeah, it's been such a interesting journey of getting into this work. So I'll try and and share my story without going too lengthy. Oh my God, get into it. (laughs) We want like all the juicy bits. All the juicy bits. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I guess when I was... Honestly, I I first started dabbling with meditation when I was probably 18, 19 years old because I had a lot of anxiety and then even depression um, that I didn't realize in the past was related to trauma. So I found this book by Ram Das, Be Here Now. (laughs) And I opened it up and I was like, oh, and it said corpse pose. And then I just lied there. (laughs) That was the first yoga I ever did, corpse pose. And I'm just feeling my body. And um, yeah, that was kind of my journey into meditation. I started to practice well, fast forward through my journey, I was um, medicated for like a year and a half towards the end of college, which helped me, you know, work long hours and finish my teaching degree in secondary ed, English Lit. And, um, you know, I was on Xanax, um, antidepressants and a sleeping pill. So the whole works. it was quite a lot for about a year and a half. And then at age 23, I was like, I just need a change. I need to leave. And and so I packed my bags and I moved to China. <laughs> wow. What, what was it about that stage in your life that called you to get up and leave and also why China yeah good question I think for me like um personally being on those like medications although they definitely helped me you know do what I was doing and detaching and stabilize me for a while Mm -hmm. at the same time during that period I stopped writing Mm -hmm. and I stopped all my because I was always writing since I was five years old and and singing and kind of stopped all that. So it's like my creativity wasn't there. My sex drive wasn't there. And I kind of just felt really numb. I got to this place of I finished my university degree, graduated almost top of my class. And deep down inside, I didn't feel exactly like proud of myself. You know, I got this mm-hmm. award and this robes and I was like, if this is why am I happy yet? You know, I've fulfilled these goals. So it was kind of like something was missing. And I always wanted to travel. Like since I was a young kid, I I would have pictures up of different countries in my, um, in my room. (laughs) And so, yeah, that was kind of this sort of wake up moment when I said, I need to get, I need to get out of here. I need to leave my college boyfriend. It was beautiful friendship, but you know, two years relationship. And, and I was serving at Carla Santana's restaurant, which was my college job. And I ran into an old high school peer and he was like, I just came back from China. And then that moment, something lit up in me, something lit up. And I had had a tattoo from be here now on my back, you know, a Buddhist sort of meditating um, man in a lotus flower. And I thought, Oh, China. I need to go there. I reckon. And I knew nothing about China. I was like, everyone's going to be Buddhist. It'll be rolling hills. Um, So yeah, next thing you know, a month later I was in China and that was, that was for me like such a, it was so culturally shocking. I didn't speak any Chinese and I arrived there as a, I just turned 23 and was teaching at this university and in central China and Wuhan, um, a little bit out of the city center. So Mm -hmm. not many foreigners there. Mm -hmm. And it was probably the culture shock that I needed to be honest because around the campus like the people living around it were um you know living in shanty little sheds with not much um, material possessions but I would walk around at night and they'd be laughing and smiling and holding their babies without diapers and Mm. and it just kind of took me out of this western individualized mindset into connecting a little bit more into 
um, the basic things of life. Mm -hmm. And also like my student assistants there that would greet me and, you know, take me out to help me learn the ropes. They were, they would ask, Hey, have you eaten yet? And I said, Oh no, let's go eat. So we all sit down and go eat. And then we're there. I'm ordering. I'm like, what do you guys want that? Oh, we already ate. I'm like, what, what's going on? Why'd they ask me like, and then I asked someone else, they said, Oh, if you've eaten, if you've eaten, you have food in your belly, then you're good to go. Mm. So it's like not obsessing about so much all the other things in life that can really mm. weigh us down. So that was really a, a beautiful kind of grounding perspective to be in China and to mm -hmm. start to learn a different language, to embrace a different culture, yeah. um, to be inspired by people who maybe didn't have so much um, income, but they had so much more depth and... Mm -hmm. um, yeah, ability to just laugh through life. Yeah. Mm. I love what you said. Well, I don't love it, but I think it's it's really important what you said about your experience of being medicated mm. because I think a lot of people have that experience where it makes you productive. Yes, I can get through life. I can um I can do my my studies. I can get myself back to work and work and and yes, that absolutely is an important thing to be able to do in life, but um sometimes at the cost of your vitality right? Your sense of creativity, your sense of passion, your sense of desire, you know, like you said, the writing, the libido, your desire to sing, all that kind of stuff was um, was not there. And sometimes it's easy to let that stuff um, fall to the wayside. And we think, okay, so as long as, long as I'm getting things done, I'm, I'm better. But then I think sometimes people can just end up quite numb and empty and then they go like why aren't I happy I should be happy you hear that a lot you know I've got the job I've got the the partner I've got the degree whatever it is but you know why is there still this thing within me that feels lacking yeah we don't yet have a medication that brings us that deep sense of vitality I mean maybe psilocybin but <laughs> but we're working on getting that <laughs> um okay go on so you're in China you're learning about this really um different way of being that's less individualistic and what was that like for you yeah, it was it was pretty inspiring. It just kind of took me out of my own stories a bit. And I also at that time I, I ran out of my antidepressants, so I went cold turkey off of Oh wow. Um the medications and Wow. I that's when I really was like, I I need to meditate. I found this book, Heart, heart Rhythm Meditation, and mm -hmm. I started practicing, you know, focusing on my heartbeat, or I'd get a rose and and stare at the rose and, and meditate on the rose. And then I had this profound experience one night. I was really struggling, didn't have many friends yet. And I just said, I'm just going to sit here and meditate on love. And I sat in my room alone. And I kid you not, that was like, I don't know how long it felt like over two hours. I don't know. Time kind of disappeared. Mm. And I just had this massive healing just sitting by myself. These tears started coming out and I reconnected with my heart mm -hmm. and what I believe is source. And some people say God, universe. But at that moment, I was like, wow, like it was such a profound healing. So that was a real big part of my um, healing journey. And then from there in China, I didn't focus too much. You know, I had a little bit of meditation practice and I didn't really get into anything else until like the end of my four years there. I found a yoga studio after a breakup and I wandered in there. <laughs> always, always, always a breakup that leads us to the mat. Yeah, I feel you. <laughs> so good. And there was these beautiful like 80 year old Chinese woman doing these crazy flexible like Yeah, that puts you poses. to shame. Yeah. 
<laughs> and I remember I dropped into my first, and they're like, it's a heart opening pose. I mean, they said it, it was in Chinese, so they didn't say that, but I opened my heart and I was just, I just started crying again. All these, I'd never mm. done like a heart opening pose like that, you know, not intentionally besides dancing on the dance floor and stuff. But yeah, that was kind of my intro to yoga. And then shortly after I moved to Sydney, I met my partner and arrived in Sydney and I, I knew no one. And I just dove into yoga practice and, um, and it was amazing. It was kind of the journey of really meeting myself on the mat mm-hmm. and seeing what parts I was uncomfortable with and, And also learning to, you know, I had such crippling anxiety still at that time, such bad social anxiety, and I had no idea it was related to my past trauma. I just figured, well, I'm an anxious person. I was diagnosed with anxiety, so I'm an anxious person. This will just always be me. So I would still like sometimes take Xanax before going out, you know, drinking and just like doing some things that weren't really serving me, but I was kind of, that was like my crutch and what I needed to be stable. And fast forward now, I'll fast forward to another big turning point, which was... Um, I finally decided to do my yoga teacher training because yoga was kind of transforming my life. So in Mm -hmm. 2018, I finished my first training Mm -hmm. and it was really profound. And we started talking about limiting beliefs and, you know, all this stuff that I'd never really heard of. And, um, yeah, then shortly after, a few months after that, I actually was scuba diving in Malaysia and got stung by a jellyfish underwater and, uh, had an anaphylactic reaction. My tongue was swelling and, I was ambulanced by boat to the main island shot with life-saving adrenaline and that jellyfish, I still want to get one tattooed on me, is really, I think, what woke me, really woke me up, like, because I was afraid to teach yoga, you know, and at that point I said, I just need to live my life. Yeah. I realized when I was underwater, it was like there was this part of me that needed so much love and acceptance, mm-hmm. but also like this part of me that wanted to share so much too. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, um, that's when I committed to therapy after that for a year, we worked really hard through a lot of things and, and past sexual trauma I'd been through, which mm-hmm. I found out was causing all the anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I got really far with my therapist. I finally, I told her, look, I've gone to like one session in the past cried my eyes out and never went back and she was such a beautiful therapist and she said she just was so caring and she would call me and check on me she's like yeah you're we're gonna stay steady and we didn't actually get to the traumatic stuff until like eight months in it was just starting small like Mm -hmm. who am I what are my what are my needs you Mm -hmm. know what was my childhood like of course (laughs) yeah yeah we love that stuff (laughs) (laughs) the stereotype is true but that took me so far on my journey um and then me and my therapist Lisa I was like I think I'm ready to break up she's like yeah I think you are too Mm. so we broke it off and and then shortly after um I started sound healing. I got these crystal bowls and I played this vibration and that's how I started getting my voice back. I hadn't Mm -hmm. sang for like 10 years besides Mm -hmm. in the shower. Mm -hmm. And I would sit there and play these vibrational bowls and all of a sudden it was like just tears coming out and and Mm -hmm. it was like trauma stored in my body was being released. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that's what was happening at Mm -hmm. the time, but you know, emotions and everything that was stuck that I'd suppressed for Mm -hmm. years was just flowing out. Mm-hmm. And I was really beginning to hold space for myself to let emotions be more normalized. Yeah. And I, what I love most about that is that the healing was so intuitive, right? Like you wouldn't necessarily think, okay, singing is going to help me heal my sexual trauma. You'd kind of think, how are those two related? Mm-hmm. But 
what you noticed was that when you sing, you had a reaction and it's kind of like, oh, there's something here. Like when I poke, there's a reflex Mm -hmm. and just not needing to be so cerebral and thinking about the healing, but just tapping into the body and saying, when I, when I sing, something happens. And so I'm going to keep doing that. Mm. I'm curious, what was it about being stung by the jellyfish and having that anaphylactic shock that made you realize, um, you know, all of this stuff that you needed to love this part of yourself? Like what happened down there? Yeah, it's so interesting because, you know, like in the movies, they say my life flashed before my eyes. Mm -hmm. I never really understood that. Mm. And it literally just happened. And like because the jellyfish okay so back to the story like I was I dove under I actually saw the jellyfish I took a picture I was like that's beautiful it was far away and captured your victim yeah I mean not your victim (laughs) your attacker yeah Yeah. yeah. (laughs) and 10 minutes later like way past it was way away from you know he was gone and it's like he came straight for me Mm. and stung me he had a mission. In the only spot that my wetsuit didn't reach, which was my ankle. Stop, really? Yeah, because I've got really long legs. So <laughs> she has the, the wetsuit's never guys. long enough. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, he stung me right there. So it's it's almost like I feel like that was, mm. it was a gift in a way. And when I was under there, I'd been stung before. So I kind of, I actually met this part of me that's like, oh, I don't want to surface. I'll ruin everybody else's uh, diving trip. Like I'm here to dive. Just stay down. Stay down. You're going to be fine. <laughs> And then it was like, you're going to be fine. It was like this part of me was fighting with the other part. And then my tongue started swelling and I just done my training. I was like, oh, that's not good. That's like really bad when your tongue swells. And I just had tingling pins and needles all over my body. That's at that moment, I think was when I just saw myself as a baby. I saw my family and I I really missed them. You know, I live overseas. I saw my partner and I thought, oh my goodness, like, you know, I love him so much. I I don't know if I'm ready to go. And then I saw me. I saw me mm. and this this little girl with within me who was like, love me, love me, yeah. please. Wow. Um, you're important. And I thought, oh my God, it's like this other side. It was really getting a window into how I'd lived my life by pushing myself so hard, pushing, 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 and not taking the time to really validate myself and to, and to support myself and to... And to really become, I mean, still on this journey, my own best friend. Like, it sounds cheesy, but it's not cheesy. When we show up for ourselves, I've found, you know, I can't do the work I'm doing unless I constantly show up for myself and bring in that loving kindness and acceptance. And, um, you know, not because I'm being productive and doing all these things that are changing people's lives, which I love to do. (laughs) But that, I think, was a long part of my validation lifetime I you know as a school teacher trained in that did that for a while and it's Mm -hmm. like I was constantly validating myself by the output I was extending rather than just like hey I love I love me Mm. I'm doing good Mm. we've made it through some tough stuff but look where we are now like and owning for me I call that shadow integration and I've worked with a lot of beautiful teachers who've shared with me about that and the parts of me that were so hard to accept you know, like the going through the trauma and um, whatever the parts I didn't love about myself, integrating that to be like a part of who I am as well. So yeah, it's been a journey. (laughs) Wow. It's so funny, you know, when you were saying like, oh, I didn't want to surface and ruin everyone's trip. I'm like, that really is like the ultimate 
people pleaser dynamic. Like I would rather die underneath the water than slightly inconvenience everyone else. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and I guess it was it was finally because when you have those people pleaser tendencies, one of the issues about being a people pleaser is that it is one of those traits that flies under the radar is niceness. Mm. And no one's going to argue with niceness, right? I make myself small, but I'm I'm really helpful. I'm really useful. I'm really considerate. I'm really kind. But it's at the cost of our own needs. And mm. I guess that that dynamic was finally pushed to its end degree. It's like, if you ignore your needs, you will die. Yeah. You know, if you don't listen and confront this fear you have about inconveniencing everyone, you're going to die. Mm. You know, so really, um, I guess, coming to confront kind of the end of the path of that dynamic because it sounded like it needed to get that bad in order for you to be like, oh, yeah, where am I not loving myself? Mm. Because that, you know, that's what that is. I'll stay down and I'll suffer. I'll bite my tongue. I will deal with the discomfort so as to not be, you know, a burden on other people. 100%. I love that you just brought that up because it's, I mean, of course, we hear it all the time. You have to hit rock bottom sometimes to find your way out. And it really was that near-death experience that woke me up Mm -hmm. out of this trance of, in this fear, you know, oh, well, what if I'm not good enough? If I go do this or I can't, the stories. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and I guess the last part of my story that really woke me up was getting into breath work. So mm-hmm. I went so far mm-hmm. with my therapist and I, you know, had my sound bowls. And then I found during lockdown this this course um, by my breathwork teacher, Karina Kalila, and it was called The Awakened Heart. And it was just for people holding space and to activate love. So I journeyed into this breathwork online with mm-hmm. five other women, having no idea what it was. And we ended up breathing for like an hour the session so there'd be a little bit of chatting and then this one hour of rebirthing breath work and within the first session was very psychedelic for me I was like seeing all sorts of colors and mm-hmm. I came out of that room I was like I couldn't even talk to my partner like how do I describe what just happened I know, I know. it was just going into like deep theta brain state that dreamlike brain state and then um fast forward like by the second or third session I had that PTSD come up from the past trauma and it completely dissolved in a whole new way through my body it's like something released and one of the breath workers um I follow is Dan Brule and he says you can breathe out more in a year than you can sorry in an hour than you can talk out in a year mm-hmm. you can breathe out more in an hour than you can talk out in a year and I think that for me doing that breath work um, for myself was like the last little bit to really help shift mm-hmm. any kind of and it's still shifting you know because PTSD of course can come back but mm-hmm. for me it really healed a lot and then I became a breathwork facilitator to do it for other people, which has been incredible. It's yeah. been so amazing. Yeah. And I think as well, it does, that kind of just speaks testimony to the the layers that kind of um, need to be unpacked in therapy is like, you do need that cognitive work of looking at the stories that you're telling yourself, um, looking at the limiting beliefs, putting together a cohesive narrative. And, and that stuff is important, but it's not sufficient. You can't stop there because sometimes we get a little too cerebral mm. and we we get really good at intellectualizing what happened to us, but the body is having a completely different experience. And so once that work is done or while that work's being done, how do we then go deeper into the body and start to make the body and the mind on the same team? 
Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that idea that you can breathe out, you know, more in one session than you can in a year because I, I feel that, you know, I think I was in therapy for such a long time and my therapist was amazing, but I think I always grew up with the belief that feeling feeling your feelings was lame. Mm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that you just kind of got to keep it keep it going and if you feel it then that's a weakness that someone can kind of um use against you. And I think I just had that because I was just the youngest child and always being picked on and so I was like oh, I'm going to make myself really tough. And I remember um I actually remember I had a, a session at a uni. So we would do these theory classes and then they they'd ask for someone to come up and do a, like a practical session. And um, I put my hand up. I was like, yeah, I've got this amazing, hilarious story about how I got cheated on. And even the fact that I thought it was funny, I was like, let me entertain this room with my trauma. Yeah. So already you can see <laughs> a little bit of a disconnect. Coping me- mechanism. hundred <laughs> percent. And I went up and I start telling this story and I'm telling everyone how, you know, how it's fine. I, you know, I've, I've come to terms with it. It's because of him. And, you know, this is what it's taught me. And I'm actually so grateful and and I, you know, I'm trying to present this image that I'm okay. And this teacher just, you know, I finished my sentence and I'm waiting for her to tell me how um, emotionally mature I am and how, how I've managed to handle this so well. And she goes, you know that you're not breathing properly right now? Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was like, I immediately went red. And she's like, and now you're going really red. I can see your whole chest is starting to get really like patchy. Yeah. And she's like, you're very disconnected from what's happening to you. You tell me something traumatic and then you laugh. And then I just burst into tears and I was like, I was not expecting this. Like I've got a room of 50 people around me just watching this and I just put my head down and I was like, fuck. I was like, what do I do? (laughs) And she's like, just cry. I want you to just sit here and cry. And having 50 people watch it, I was so terrified because it just totally shattered this idea that – um. I had everything together. You know, mm. I was like, I I had processed all of that in my mind and I put it in a little box. But really the reality of it was really um, still within me. And I know that because I would get very, um, very aggressive at certain times, especially when I drank, I would get really aggressive out of nowhere. Like I wasn't starting fights, but I would really raise my voice and I'll tell you what I think about you. And it was like, who is she? Like, where is she coming from? But that was my outlet. You know, mm. I'd have a few drinks and I'd get really aggressive. And um, that made me realize like, oh, I need to start processing this stuff. Mm. I need to start feeling this stuff. And then when I did, when I got into the practice of moving, it moves so quickly now. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I feel really anxious about something. I get up, I dance. I shake, mm. I, you know, go into the mirror and I speak really loudly or I, I do whatever. And in five, 10 minutes, I feel lighter, mm. you know, as opposed to carrying that through, you know, the rest of my week or whatever. I love that. Thank you. I resonate with a lot of those parts, you know, mm. of definitely expressing because I think I was actually just reading about, you know, the difference between expression, suppression and repression. Mm-hmm. And repression is really, I guess, you know, sort of unconscious. And then suppression is a little bit conscious. But then expression is such a beautiful part of releasing emotions as well, you know, letting it out. But then even when we express, I, f- I feel like sometimes I, on my journey, I'm like, okay, I've expressed it. It's gone. Yeah. It's like, oh, wait, I still might have a part of me that's yeah. angry. Yeah. 
And then how do I treat that part instead of like, ah, I'm screaming in a pillow, which is a great technique, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, instead of just thinking, oh, it's gone, it's like, okay, I've given it a little bit of an outlet, but it, it still might be there. And then how do I meet that when it comes up? And for me, like I used to, uh, I'm one of six kids and there just wasn't a lot of, I was second oldest as well. So not a lot of space to process emotions and beautiful parents, but you know, quite busy raising all the kids. And so I would go in a closet and cry when I was sad. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't show my tears to anybody. Mm -hmm. So I had all this, you know, sort of suppressed emotion. And and when I've started, what's been a game changer for me and and dealing with emotions is actually starting to, as you mentioned, like anxiety. What what am I feeling, first of all? And then what does it need rather than like, this is the enemy. For me, I was very uncomfortable with anger. Mm-hmm. And that was keeping me actually disempowered because I was very angry for what happened to me and being taken advantage of mm-hmm. in the past. Mm-hmm. And that was just in my system. So it it altered into sadness then. But actually what I was really feeling was angry. Like mm. that's wrong, but not allowing it to be out. So now it's like, okay, how can I work with this anger? What does it need? Does mm-hmm. it need to be expressed? Mm-hmm. Do I need to communicate my truth and have some firmer boundaries here? And I really love like the poet, Rumi, he has this beautiful poem called The Guest House. And he talks about when a visitor, like every day our emotions are are different. So every day a new visitor will come at your door mm. and you open the door and you let that visitor in and you treat it as a guest. And instead of saying like, go away, right? Making it more angry, eventually invite it to sit at your table mm. and then offer it tea and listen. I think that's so, such a beautiful analogy for emotions because... In my life, I found when I've been going through like a period of, you know, a big emotion, anger or sadness, it's it's sometimes because I'm having a big breakthrough or even grief, like the grief that we go through, the loss, you know, we're going to experience that so much in life. It's very hard. There's no way around it rather than to, to feel it, to give it what it needs um, and to move forward. Now, with that being said, I think it is important, I guess, and you're so familiar with this too, but if sometimes that emotion is so big, we don't need to like hone in on it nonstop and think about it nonstop. I think titrating and moving on to other beautiful mindfulness techniques like, you know, gratitude practice or savoring or serving, getting outside, going for a walk um, can be so much more powerful than constantly being obsessed with Mm. doing the work to move this emotion. Mm. So I think patience is so important too. It's been a huge part of my journey to just, to just be with it. Like, Okay, I'm here. I'm listening. Yeah. And what I think I heard in that was this shift um, in the way that you relate to your emotions, which wasn't, what do I need to do to get you out? It's, hi, I see you. (laughs) What do you need? How can I, you know, what is it that you're trying to communicate to me? And it's just this softening in tone even. And one thing I do with my clients is, um, you know, if they do have an anger or anxiety or grief or whatever it is, right? Okay, where is it in your body? What does it look like? What does it feel like? How do you feel towards it? You know, do you want to get rid of it? Do you want to beat it up? How does it feel towards you? Okay. And this is a long process, but, you know, the part of you that is resistant to it, can we ask that part to just step aside for a second? And can you just talk to it? Can you guys come to the table um, and just let it know that you're listening now? And then usually when it listens, when it knows it's being heard, just like a human, it no longer needs to yell. And then learning to speak to it and say like exactly that, like, hi, I know you're trying to tell me something. 
I know that you're scared and I know you're asking me to do something because you you care about me and you're trying to protect me. So what is it you would like to tell me? And then as soon as it's heard, it softens and that red ball of fiery energy is now this, you know, nice warm light. And that happened, that can happen in the space of 10 minutes, but it is, it's learning to t- turn into it. And I think what you said was so pertinent, which is, um, you know, there's always going to be so much loss in life. No one gets out of this shit alive. <laughs> like life is just yeah. <laughs> death, rebirth, death, rebirth, mm-hmm. versions of ourselves, people that mm-hmm. we love, you know, because um, impermanence is built into the structure of life. We need to get good at processing that, you know, that those are the only two options, turn towards it or run from it. There's no third option where it doesn't exist. So what are we going to do? you know yeah that's so good thank you for sharing i love your insights <laughs> when you were speaking i was actually just picturing uh what's that movie inside out with yes, the little like yes. emotions as the characters <laughs> you just use this really cute voice like hi how yeah. are you? i love that movie i swear as soon as i have a child like it'll be like three hours old i'm gonna put that movie on and be like <laughs> learn <laughs> i'm gonna be the worst mom um Okay, so I love your story. I love um, how you came to it on so many different levels. Um, Can you talk me through what it is that breath actually does to the body and why it is so powerful in releasing so much in the space of one hour? Absolutely. So if we're going to talk about breath, I think the most important thing to do is probably pause and Mm -hmm. take a few breaths Mm -hmm. um and i'll include a few different things we can try but let's just take a pause that's the first element as i was driving here i was like i hope she guides me through something (laughs) (laughs) let me get a free session out of this (laughs) okay oh yeah so just when we arrive into a seat or lying down wherever we're going to breathe i think the most important is just to check in with our body with that kindness again so just allow it to wiggle to jiggle a little stretch a little roll And then when you feel ready, just taking a deep breath in, breathing in. And open your mouth and exhale it out. Just feeling yourself relax down. Take another breath together, breathing in from roots to crown. And just letting out any sound. Ah. And one more, breathing in. And then just letting go, relaxing the body, let the breath leave. Just notice how you feel your natural breath without trying to change it. This is an indicator for how you're feeling. Your heartbeat. And then taking a moment just to welcome yourself into the space. You can place your hand on your body and connect. the power of your breath that's always here guiding you and like the waves of the ocean just rolling in and out. Mm. So this technique, you might already start to feel a little bit of a shift just from that simple pause, just spending less than a minute or two minutes taking a few deep breaths 
relaxing ourselves down. I think there's so much effort in society anyway. We're so good at the effort part, but we're not as good at the relaxing and the non-attachment and the releasing. And so for me, I believe that starting any practice with this sort of breath awareness, just pausing to relax and then becoming aware of what's going on anyway. Like you said, opening that door to check the visitor. So just this simple act of, you know, breath awareness and three breaths is super powerful. And I use that in all of my sessions at the beginning. Hmm. How are you feeling? Um, how am I feeling? The fact that I can't even speak is probably <laughs> an indication. Of, I um yeah, I feel so much clearer. Mm. Yeah. I think just, you know, on the sigh and the exhale. I just felt so much drop and I was like, oh, I didn't even realize how much I was carrying in there. I think I just came off the back of a few sessions and I was like, oh, I probably need to let those go. Yeah, I love yeah. it. I mean, that that can be so nice even before you go for an ocean swim and nature mm. walk. Take a few breaths and drop mm. it down. Mm. Um, so, yeah, breath awareness. Um, breath is insanely powerful. And as I mentioned, that was kind of the last part of, of my personal journey. And I've been sharing breath work for a few years now as a facilitator. And I've been lucky enough to breathe over 400 people in group sessions and oh. festivals and private sessions. And um, so I have a lot to share on that. Mm. And the style of breath work that I predominantly work with beyond just like breath awareness as well is uh, conscious connected breathing. Mm -hmm. So I can speak a little bit about that Please, and yeah. um, the power of conscious connected breathing. So as we sort of well, breathe in like a yoga class, ujjayi breath, oftentimes that drops us into a more meditative state, like alpha brain state. Right now, you and I are probably in beta brain state. We're speaking into the mic, sharing a little bit, mm -hmm. lots of different things going on. Mm -hmm. And that's the state that a lot of us operate in most of the time. And then as we move into meditation, it's alpha brain state. And there's this beautiful brain state, theta brain state, right before we drop into a deep sleep, um, delta brain state, which is a powerful realm for healing. And this brain state is used in hypnosis or breath work as well. So when we breathe conscious connected energy breath, um, basically all we're doing is keeping the breath connected, unlike a natural breath where we have that pause and space at the top and bottom, we connect the breath. And what that does is enables us to breathe not just oxygen, but we say we're breathing energy too. So it enables us with this breath to shift into theta brain state and activate the vagus nerve. And yeah, I can walk you through it a little bit. Do you want to try 20 breaths of that style together? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, am I going to get high from this? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, actually, yeah. Somebody, a client was like, oh man, I don't even need to like take any drugs anymore. I feel quite high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've done a few of, I mean, I've done two breathwork sessions with you in the group breathing. Yeah. Both of them, I mean, so different, but borderline psychedelic yeah oh totally yeah absolutely oh my god i'm so excited <laughs> so we'll just do um we'll do a shorter one today just so people can experience it if you're listening anywhere you are you can either take a comfortable seat or you could lie down and then all we're gonna do is again just relax our awareness down and i'll invite you to listen to the instructions for this breath we're gonna breathe in and out the nose and unlike a normal breath where we kind of have an inhale and exhale. 
and space between, we're just going to connect the breath. So in and out the nose, it will sound a little like this. And we don't need to think about breathing in sort of like a Wim Hof style, which is another beautiful style, which is, you know, quite masculine. But this is a little bit more feminine. It's like the yin of breath work. So we can breathe just breath into the heart. Let it go. Breath into the heart. Let it go. So let's begin. Let's take a normal breath and just relax out any expectation. And then seal your lips and we'll breathe in the nose. Breathing in. Drop the breath in the nose and out. Breathing in, let go. Rising and softening. Inviting in and releasing for five. Just tuning into your waves. Breathe, let go. Every exhale, is this chance just to surrender for two, we'll do 10 more just to drop in, every inhale is this chance to welcome in new energy to let your mind drop into the capacity of your body to become your own best healer and bringing all the energy that perhaps has been spread throughout your day back to yourself, back to this moment in the here and the now for three And just let go and you can release the breath whenever you're ready. Just pause, surrender, notice how you feel. You might feel a little bit of tingles in your body, a little vibration, a little bit of lightheadedness, it's all normal. Perhaps you feel a bit of stimulus in your vagal nerve dropping into that meditative state already. Hmm the power of our breath to bring us back to this moment to inhale and receive new energy and to exhale and transmute energy that's ready to leave is immense. It could be a game changer for us. And when you feel ready, you can come back into the space. You might just give yourself a little hug, a little squeeze or a little rub on your face. That's really all it takes to meet ourselves is just that pause. And we can drop into a pretty quick presence through the breath. How do you feel? <laughs> I feel like when um, mom used to wake me up and um, I'd be like, no, mom, five more minutes. <laughs> yeah. I, don't I was like, leave. she wants to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Destiny's going to continue this podcast on her own. I'm out of here. I'm somewhere else. <laughs> oh, that was, oh, oh. I felt, um, I started to feel lightheaded. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I was doing my teacher training, I had my teacher trainer was old school Ashtangi, no love and light. It's mm -hmm. like all 
like wooden spoon. And I remember someone, we were doing a pranayama or a breathwork practice and someone was like, oh, but I feel lightheaded. And he's like, okay, so you'll pass out, pass out, you'll wake back up. <laughs> like he just had no time for like, I don't know. Um, and so, yeah, whenever I get lightheaded, I always remind myself like, that's okay. You know, sometimes it can, because I remember there was an aversion of, oh, if I'm lightheaded, this is dangerous. And um, yeah, just reminding myself that, no, it's totally fine to be lightheaded. That's just your body responding. Mm. Um, and I felt immediately um, dropped in and somewhere else. And that was just such a nice place to be. Mm. Thank you for sharing. And I love that that was just a quick exercise, mm. but it really can drop you in so quickly. Um, it doesn't take much for some people. And then for other people, it takes a little bit more time to let go of control. So typically with this breathwork modality, we like to breathe up to an hour. It's a longer session in and out the nose. And what can happen as sort of clients will breathe through this style is that first is like the physical sensations of the tingles and maybe some resistance as you get lightheaded, a little bit of fear. And then sometimes a little bit of stuck cramps in the body can filter out. All the crab hands. And the crab hands, the tetany, yeah. which can happen because we're changing the levels of oxygen in the body. Like I said, I've breathed over 400 people. Nobody's passed out in my sessions yet. It's quite... <laughs> I think it's quite safe comparatively speaking to maybe some other breath styles that are a little bit more dynamic. Um, but beyond, you know, any of this fear of like discomfort in the body, what, what happens usually is a huge release for people. So the next physical one is oftentimes tears and it really tears is like our body is made of water. So if we think about that's water cycling out, so new, new energy can come in. So that's carrying that vibration out of us through the water, you know, whatever we're letting go of. And the beautiful thing about breath work is you don't need to think about what you're letting go of. It does it takes you out of this, you know, beta brain state and into deeper brain states. And it just happens when your body is ready. So you never have to force yourself. You know, oftentimes I have clients say, I'm going to release this today. It doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that will happen sometimes when they come in really happy and then something big will come up. But tears as well as anger, man, yeah. I, I mean, I like to use more intuitive style of breath work and just encourage people to release, especially one to one sessions, mm. you know, whether it's a scream in a pillow or or just saying something out loud that needs to be said. Laughter. I've had a, a client who was laughing for 40 minutes. Oh, wow. And it was you I know, want that session <laughs> yeah, on and off. And Wow, you know, she felt a little bad at first. So, no, this is great. Your body's releasing nervous energy, so it doesn't have to be so uh, serious all the time mm. as well. You know, and the, oftentimes the the sessions where there are tears, even if it's half the session of just crying and releasing, um, at the end is this deep, profound peace. Mm. People can travel to psychedelic realms and meet all sort of, you know, if they resonate with spirit guides or ancestors from the past. That happens quite a lot where people will feel, you know, someone who's passed, whether it's their father or mm. a sibling come through and send them a beautiful message. Um, yeah. And what I, what I find at the end is, yeah, just this beautiful feeling of peacefulness. It's like, no matter what's happened, the nervous system completely resets. And I think as a facilitator, that's why it's really important to um, hold that safe container. Mm. Because if it's not done properly, 
you know, somebody could be re-triggered by the past stuff. So it's really creating that space to support them through that release mm. and to let them know it's it's okay, I'm here with you. Um, so for me, I take my job really seriously yes. as well. And, yeah. and I think you and I were talking earlier about, you know, not overloading clients when we're energetically um, drained. So I've canceled clients and, and all that stuff when I'm not in this space because it's it's like for me as a facilitator, it's a deep meditation because I'm very, very focused on helping the client with their breathing and watching them um, and assisting them with moving that emotion. But what I really love about breath work is that I am not the healer. Mm, I'm not yes. that person's healer. I'm just holding the space, teaching them this technique, which after somebody finishes eight to 10 sessions, they can practice on their own. Some people are ready by session five, mm. but this is a tool that you can take. I breathe myself all the time. If I have a big event, you know, I've done some big speaking in at festivals in front of hundreds of people and feel a little bit of nerve. So I'll drop into breath and have this, a lot of energy shift and a lot of creativity comes through as well. Yeah. One thing that you um, have said when I went to your, is it, what do you call it? Rebirthing ceremony? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah which yeah. is just incredible. One thing you said that just stuck was your breath is your medicine. Mm. And I remember you saying that. And then I just had this feeling of like wanting to drink it in. Oh. And it just wanted, I just was like, I couldn't get enough of it. Just like all this, whatever was coming up, like more, more, more <sighs> drop drop and I just had the most I remember the first time I did it um I got lobster hand mm -hmm. and um and then after that like once the yeah because that probably was like a 30 minute build up and everything started to tense up and then I remember you came and you started to just kind of walk me through it and give me a different breath and then I just started to bore my eyes out and I just remember like I could feel my head starting to switch on and try and like investigate like, oh, what's this about? Like, which boy is this? <laughs> which boy caused these tears? Yeah. And um, and I remember like at the end of it, you you actually said like you don't need to go and investigate what happened. You don't need to go and make sense of it. Um, and it just gave me permission to like something came up, it moved and it's done. And that's not done, but it's like it. you don't need to to intellectualize it. And I remember I slept like 11 hours that night. Oh, and I just the so next sad. day, I think I've taught the best classes I ever did. Like I just, I obviously had stuff in the system. And when I moved it, reset is just the perfect word. There was just space again. Um, yeah, you are just so beautiful at, at what you do. Um so if, if you don't know, if you've never been to a, a, one of these rebirthing ceremonies, you walk in and the space is just so beautifully created. It's the dim light, it's, you know, it's the sounds, it's the smells, and it really just feels like this cocoon that's so safe. You know, if I was to be ripped open right now, it would be a safe place to do so. Um, and then you walked us through the breath and then you play this amazing music, you sing, you do your sound healing, you come around like with gentle touch and um, yeah, it's an hour. And I remember the first time I was like, I have to do this for an hour. <laughs> like, what? But it went, it felt like 20 minutes. Mm. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's magical. Um, I'm curious, what would, if someone was to come to you and see you for a one-on-one, -on -one, what does that process look like? Absolutely. Um, the one-on-one -on -one sessions is, they're usually two hours. Sometimes the first one is two and a half hours. 
And before the first meeting, there's a pre-session questionnaire, which kind of gets into, um, invites the client to think about their goals for the session, um, things in their life that they love, things in their life that they're wanting to grow in, their growth areas. And really, I think for me as a facilitator, understanding that is the most important. Before that, there's a discovery call as well, where we kind of discuss whether this modality is the best for them and and just mm. answer any questions they have about you know the technique and and all of that stuff. So just really setting up that safe container. And then once they come in for the session, um, I have a beautiful home studio in, in um, Gordon's Bay, Quidgy, mm. which I'm so blessed with. And they arrive and we spend the first you know, 30 minutes digesting that pre-session questionnaire, but it's not like a therapy session. We'll go through a little bit of it and we'll see what they want to expand on. Um, and then once we hit a point that feels relevant for that day, we'll focus on that. And that gives me a really good idea of... Um, how to work best with them, how to support them on their journey rather than my own agenda, which is so important. Yes. We have, I always serve tea or cacao and I use, um, you know, if the client likes incense, I use Palo Santo or, or sage to clear the energy and welcome them into the space. Um, so we spend some time chatting. We usually drop into a somatic meditation technique. I like the one you were talking about earlier. Sometimes I've used that as well, where you drop into the motion, but oftentimes just to arrive in the body. Um, I have a lot of clients who's who have been to therapy for like, you know, multiple times a week for mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. So I think a big journey is like getting in the body mm -hmm. and not treating it as a therapy session, but really as a breathwork session. Um, and then from there, we go into the magical studio and, and we begin to breathe for at least an hour and and play music. I play live sound and, oh, wow. and yeah, it's pretty incredible what happens. You know, I've had like a business client who mm. he, he was doing sessions with me and, and, uh, he was really pushing himself so hard his whole life. He's a father as well. And in one session, his second session, he remembered this memory of his his grandmother just like yelling at him as a three-year-old to like do more work harder. And he had this whole download of a suppressed memory of where all this pressure was coming from, mm -hmm. even at such a young age of being successful. And he had this beautiful release, you know, he hadn't cried for years, beautiful release of tears. And by the end of that session, he put his hands on his heart and he was like, I am love. Mm. I am love. I love myself so much. I love my wife. I love my kids. He just felt this love that he couldn't access before because he was disconnected from himself from, you know, such a young age. So wow. it's so powerful. The medicine, as you said, breath is the medicine and people will get the medicine they need based on how they're breathing, um, I really believe the higher self comes through and and whatever happens, you know, some not every session everyone leaves feeling, woo, some are like, yeah, let's go, you know, super energizing, creative downloads. And then some is like, whoa, I've just worked through a really big thing and I'm feeling quite open. So the aftercare is really important. At the end of that breathe, they come out and on their own time, I give them some space and, and then we have a chat about anything they want to share. And, um, and then we have some little homework to do after that as well, which is like affirmations that they work with and working with the elements like swimming, grounding with the trees, working with fire, um, and other little techniques that will just supplement them before their next session. So, yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. That just sounds so divine. And just, like you said, just such a perfect complement to therapy. You know, um, I'm such a big believer in needing to um, 
unpack all of our stuff on different levels. And that's why I'm happily send clients off to you because it's like, we can do some work that's important, but I want you to go and, um, you know, do the deeper work. I mm. want you to go in and make sure that this is is processed on all these different levels. That's so beautiful. And I think what I love about that was, you know, this comment that his grandma made at three years old, you know, that would have been lodged in his unconscious. Yeah. You know, he probably, it would have been hard to access. And, um, you know, I say this quote all the time, but it's forever my favorite by Carl Jung. Until we make the unconscious conscious, it will direct our life and we will call it fate. Oof. You know, just how, like you yeah. said, you know, I'm just an anxious person. Yeah. And it's, I'm sure that he would have said, I'm just hardworking. I'm just totally. ambitious. He would have identified with this thing, you know, lodged in his unconscious that was really kind of like um, the one pulling the strings behind the curtain, Yeah, you know, of um, proving himself, trying to complete um, this this challenge that was kind of given to him that wasn't even his, you know, a comment, a comment made probably offhand so young is now has now become such a big factor in why he is who he is and just releasing that and saying, okay, well then who do you want to be? Mm. If we're not driven out of fear, if we're not driven out of um, this feeling of I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, who would we be? Oof. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's it. And that's exactly why these sessions are so powerful mm -hmm. um, because so much fear is released and so much, whatever the limiting belief is or, you know, where it's parental disapproval syndrome, school bullying, all this stuff that's buried in the nervous system mm -hmm. gets a chance to decompress and release without you even trying. Your body just releases what's ready to go. And Again, it's not about fixing ourselves no. at all. It's no. not like searching for things that are wrong. It's just come in here, breathe, see what's ready. Some of the sessions are so powerful. Clients breathe and they're just in their body. They're like, I'm, I feel my body is very alive. I'm reconnecting to my body. Mm. And that is so powerful in itself to just arrive with all your energy back in your body. Mm. How much more power does that give you to go through your day doing mm. your tasks when you're here instead of fragmented in so many different places in the future or the past? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Wow. I am, um, you know, just going back to what you were saying about medicating the anxiety away at the cost of your vitality. I mean, now that you've had an experience of being numbed out versus being fully tuned in, I mean, once you've lived that, it's hard to to be okay with the numbing. You know, life can be so sweet and so rich and so meaningful if you're willing to feel it. <laughs> That's it. And when we start to feel, um, one of my beautiful teachers, Karina, was sharing this about alchemizing your emotions. But when we really start to feel our emotions, that's the first step to alchemizing them. And then we can start to work with them and they become, you know, we can go from feeling afraid one moment to feeling super courageous the next moment. Like in, I shared that I do some, you know, bigger sessions in front of hundreds of people. And of course I feel nervous before that. I'm like, oof, you know, is, is my voice going to be okay? Is it going to be good enough? You know, that old stuff will come up, but then it's like behind that layer of fear is actually this, if I tend to that fear, okay, what do I need? I need to pause and breathe. I need to pause or I need to breathe for an hour, do a rebirthing session. And when I give myself what I need, then it's amazing because the amount of courage that's actually there um, from the heart, you know, alongside that fear is always, courage is always stronger than fear. Mm. And we have it within us. So 
the more that we can breathe into love as well in these higher vibrations. Like when I hold these sessions, I, I work with the vibration of love. Mm-hmm. I know everyone has different beliefs about God, source, universe, or atheist. But for me, I really think it's very important to just work with this vibration of love and, and positivity. Um and recognize again that I am not the healer, but I try to clear my channel so I can bring in this peaceful, peaceful mm. state. And mm. that is, I think, a really important part of doing this work as well is calling in that high vibration mm-hmm. because love and courage, these higher vibrational you know, frequencies can hold all the other stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of that anchor when somebody goes whoop, really deep. It's like feel into your heart feel your breath, sometimes taking them out and and bringing them back. It's like, you're alive, you're here. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we don't need to always just dive into the deep end and hold our, you know, go super deep. Sometimes it's good to come back to the shallow as well and just float on our back for a little bit, take in the sun Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. and see what happens. So Mm. it's such a beautiful, I really think I have the best job in the world. Um, Yeah. I've, I've experienced so many powerful things like, you know, a, a mother who released in a group session birth trauma. She didn't even know she was carrying because, you know, you have the baby so fast and then you're a mother and then you're just trying to get by with that phase. And and she had this, you know, traumatic birth. And, and in that session, one hour, she was able to release all this pain she was carrying from it that wow. she didn't know was there. Mm-hmm. So it's just beautiful. The things that I've been able to witness, um, and the healing that people have been able to take themselves through through their breath practice mm. is profound. And I'm I'm really looking forward to continuing to share this. And mm. I think the more people understand the way we can weave together these different practices of movement, breath, sound, you know, visuals and and start to tune into the medicine that resonates for them, mm-hmm. then I think that's a really strong foundation for living an empowered mm. life living to our purposes, um, finding that light that, you know, turns people on, whether it's waking up every day to go for a swim or just smiling at your colleagues. It doesn't have to be this like life changing goal. Sure. If you do have one, go for it, but let your dream come alive and then go for it. Mm-hmm. You, know, you are doing such powerful work. <laughs> and, um, yeah, you definitely lived up to your name of destiny wolf. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to, I wanted to wrap this session up. Um, I'm trying to ask all of my guests one, the same question at the end of every episode. I think I have a question. I'm still trying it out. If you have what you think might be a better question, I all ears. Um, but I wanted to throw it out to you. Um, and then maybe you can throw me a question that may, or even like throw the listeners a question, something to like take away and, and sit with. Um, I'm a big believer that um, life is here, um, to help you grow, to show you things, you know, it's happening for you, not to you. Um, and so what is, uh, one thing that life has shown you about yourself lately? I'm going to drop in for a moment to really feel that question. What's one thing life has shown me about myself lately? My big lesson lately for my personal self has been to validate my own emotions 
because I can be so forgiving to others and so compassionate to speak my truth and to have more fierce boundaries Mm. in life. And I've learned that through some pretty tough experiences with, you know, um, relationships with close friends and things and different things that happen. And I think it'd be so easy for me to be the victim for a little bit and sit there. Mm -hmm. And I needed to, to be upset. Absolutely. And then the next step was realizing how did I allow this to happen to myself as Mm. well? Mm-hmm. By not speaking my truth and saying this is wrong and having the courage to validate again my frustration and realize that it's okay to feel frustrated. I don't need to be love and light all the time. Like, yeah. you know, you're, you're human. that's a yeah. part of, of me. So that's been an awesome and really empowering thing that life has showed me. When I put my boundaries up and let things go, then new opportunities are flooding in that are so much more in alignment. So in that boundary, kind of the same lesson is to let things go. And I was talking to a beautiful friend. She said, it's not, it's not um, rejection, it's redirection. Mm, I love that. I mm. love that. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And I've just, it's things that are beyond my wildest dreams that are so much more aligned that are coming my way. Mm-hmm. If I just stop gripping to things that like that timeline has played out time to move forward Mm. um yeah and for boundary work for me it's really getting very clear about that as far as even like you know what situations am I putting myself in if it feels toxic is it coming from within me or is it just a misalignment there and do I need to put myself in that situation if it's not aligning just take a step away have some boundaries have some time for myself (laughs) And you know what I love, like, thank you so much for sharing that because I think sometimes people can think that you do the work and then you're done. Oh, <laughs> yeah. um, I wish. Totally. <laughs> I think it's, there's always work to do. It's just that we voluntarily accept it. It's like going to the gym. You don't go to the gym a few times and get fit. It's, yeah. I constantly do the work. And I think just, um, you know, sharing that there's still, um, challenges that come up for you you know and I think the work is learning to listen to the challenge earlier on rather than letting it play out to the end of the road you know like you said like the people pleasing got so bad that in that moment there was this balance like this tug of war of like do I die or do I go and let people I might need some no I might need some help um or you know how does my relationship need to fully fall apart before I say something? Or can I say something in the moment? Can I say something, maybe not even in the moment, but in a week, you know? And just, um, you know, that beautiful saying of like, if you don't listen to the whispers, you'll be forced to hear the screams. Oh my God. I love that quote. Yeah, (laughs) totally, totally. Yeah, it always feels, it's like, you didn't listen this time, okay. Universe is like, I'll give you another chance. Yep. Can you? And then it's so funny every time, I'm like, oh my God, I can see how this relates to that and that. And oh, oh, if I reflect back, my parents went through that actually. And that just you start to see these yeah. patterns and lessons. Yeah. And, um, and the opportunity to, you know, integrate those lessons. Mm. Mm. Because what's on the other side of it is a version of yourself that is way more aligned and like, Whenever I think, you know, when stuff comes up and it's like, okay, here's something about yourself. And I'm like, oh, this again, do we really need to do this? But I know that if I voluntarily accept that challenge, the version of myself on the other side is a version that I'm going to like, you know, a version that's, that is, that I I can really respect that I'm like, oh, I want to be her. I really like her. Okay. Tell me what I need to do. I need to shed this part. Yep. Fair enough. She's served me for 
some purpose and some reason and she served me well but you know she's ready to to dissolve she's ready to you know resign mm-hmm. and I'm gonna step into the next phase of myself and then we keep going Mm, yeah. yeah, I think it's, yeah, there's a reason why the breath modality I share is called rebirthing yes. breath work. It's, as you mentioned earlier, that beautiful chance to give ourselves fresh, fresh skin, like the snake shedding its skin. Yes, I love that. And I think that this is really aligned time that we're talking about this because it's spring season. Mm-hmm. So spring season and, and spring equinox is coming up is all about in the Southern hemisphere um, is all about you know, what are we going to let blossom forward? So mm-hmm. it's like you said, this new person, she's ready to, I'm ready to step into her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I didn't talk more about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I love, I love even the fact that you work with the, um, with the elements, because I think another thing about, you know, living in the West is we are so disconnected from the elements, you know, where the only, I, I saw this meme <laughs> and it was like, you know, in winter, bears hibernate, birds migrate, you know, they all respond to the season. And it's like humans, like summer, winter, autumn, spring, it's like hustle, 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 grind. Like there's no rest. And I think just allowing ourselves to respond to the fact that there's less sun in winter and maybe we need to rest. Maybe we need to eat heavier foods. Maybe we need to pull back on our social calendar. Okay. Now that it's spring and the days are a little lighter, notice the change in energy. Do you need to go for a walk? Do you want to do more intense activity? Do you want to eat a little lighter, whatever it is? And just acknowledging the fact that you're an animal. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. That's so like when I started living um, by cyclical living years ago, um, maybe I don't remember how many years anyway, maybe like three years ago. And I started to really work with the new moon and the full moon mm-hmm. and and then the seasons as well. I started to notice a lot of changes mm-hmm. and even with my menstrual cycle would link up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the more time I spend in nature, but wow. yeah, it's quite, quite powerful to reflect on the fact that the moon has a new cycle every 28 days and that matches a female's menstrual Stop. cycle. Stop, my mind is being right, right now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, we're meant to, you know, I, I really follow a lot of um, Native American lineages. I'm inspired by them um, as well. And I think that, you know, if you look at the way indigenous peoples would live, it was really in accordance with the land and the cycles mm. of the land and this respect for the land. So that's a huge part of the work I share as well is just, you know, looking to the cycles of nature and realizing that, as you said, we are, we are nature. Yeah. We're animals. Like we're, yeah. our body's made of water. We have electricity and, and our breath is what the, the element of air flowing through us and changing mm. constantly. So I think sometimes we think of ourselves as separate. I was in Vipassana, a 10-day meditation, meditating 10 hours a day. So it was quite intense at the beginning. <laughs> just we'll beginners, s- yeah. entry-level we'll, work. Yeah. We'll skip the beginning part, but I was, I'll just share it. There was a lot of frustration that came up at the beginning, physical pain. And then I had this profound meditation and I went in a cellular level just meditating and felt this electricity in my body. And, and it wasn't pain anymore. It was just like heat. And I got out of that meditation and all the pain was gone. It was wild. And then I was walking in the morning and I was having a tea and looking at the clouds and I just started crying. I was like, I am that. Mm -hmm. I'm that. Mm -hmm. 
it's like this, I didn't feel this disconnection from nature. I walked around and it's like I could feel the bird. There was a snake on the path and the bird was like, stop. <laughs> Maybe I was going crazy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 10 hours a day of meditation and you're like, I yeah, am a right? bird. <laughs> Someone get her like, <laughs> to the psychiatric hospital immediately. Yeah. No, no I, 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 and it's funny uh, because you hear all these stories and you go, okay, but then it happens to you and you're like, and I find this you know, so crazy, which is, you know, someone can be doing ayahuasca in Peru or breathwork in Sydney, and yet they still speak of the same experience, which is this divine connectedness. Mm. And I remember I had a, you know, similar thing. I was in Shavasana, just any normal yoga class. It wasn't even like a a particularly special one. And I just dropped in and had this, I don't know what it was. I just, a visual of, I was back on a beach that I I spent my 19th birthday on and um, looking up at the sky and then the sky started to talk to me and it was like, hi, um, like I've missed you. Thank you. And I was like, oh, who are you? It's like, oh, I'm you. And it, oh. I can't explain it, but that just made sense. Mm. And then the tears started to flow and we got into this conversation and it didn't, it didn't make any sense, but it's still on a, on a deeper level. It did make so much sense. Um, and then I watched, um, Cosmos with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Have you ever seen that? No, but I love him. Oh, you would love that show. <laughs> Everyone needs to watch it. And he talks about he talks about evolution and how you know we all come from uh, the elements that made the universe or the elements that made the bodies. And it just gave this scientific language to this this thing that came to me intuitively. Mm. Um, and I know that this you know lots of people can kind of tune out when they hear this this stuff, but it it, it just um, yeah, it's so it's so powerful and it's um it's there for you if you want to discover it. I think what you're sharing is really to be honest with you the most common experience I've had with all the clients I've had is at the end of their session these people in their own words will say I am love. I I went to this place of space. I don't I just feel peace and I am and I'm love like I'm here and, and I saw everyone I know there and like they feel this feeling of connection and not separateness. So again, like back in the day, I, you know, I felt that on LSD, you know, when I was in my teens or whatever, but it's like to know that just from sober, a sober place, just something as your breath, you can reach this deep state of consciousness that, you know, brings you to this level of what we call it in yoga, the, the connection, the samadhi, this blissfulness is very, very powerful. You look at many different lineages and their teachings and a lot of them point to this the same feeling at the end is connection and peace, Satchitananda. And um, it's pretty incredible that when we strip away all the distraction, we can arrive back there. And that's like the true home within us, right? <laughs> I have to end there. Like that has to be the end of the podcast. There's no better way to wrap it up. Um, Thank you. You are so beautiful. And um, I'm so grateful that you're here. I'm so grateful that that jellyfish didn't get its way. (laughs) I'm grateful that you surfaced and got some help Um, and that you're here sharing with me and sharing with everyone. I think, um, yeah, I think we're just really lucky to have you here. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope that some part of my story really inspires you on your journey. Yeah. 
And I'll leave all of Destiny's contact info in the show notes if you want to reach out to her and, and work with her and um, can't recommend it enough. You're just incredible. So thank you. Cool. Yeah. Do you want to do your question? That was the question. Oh, what good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, no. Do you want to ask a question for people? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) Here's my question. Since we're talking about spring, um, my question for anybody listening is if you close your eyes for a moment, if there's just one thing you've been afraid of doing, but something that sparks a little bit of joy and curiosity for you, maybe it's been to write something or start your own podcast, start a new hobby, or just talk to somebody new kindle a a relationship but something that you've been maybe getting in your own way of doing if there's one thing you can think of just one what is it and then this spring season can you take a step towards that goal and just go for it because life is not guaranteed and we just have this moment so your medicine is magic and needed in whatever way you want to share is there for a reason so I just encourage you to Turn inwards and allow yourself to blossom, to sprout, and, and let those petals be seen. Thank you for listening to the Yogi Therapist Podcast. If you enjoyed what was discussed today, then consider subscribing and leaving a review. Check out the show notes for any additional information about what was covered here today. And you can find me at theyogitherapist.com.au or on Instagram at yogitherapist underscore for more information on me and my therapy. Until next time.